Tubes, Beck here. I feel like my friends and family are really sick of hearing me saying I want to save the planet. And I'm just wondering, will they ever care about the environment? friends you are listening to hey tubes this wonderful podcast where we are figuring out can we save the planet but make it fashion we are your hosts jess and steph daron and today this juicy juicy question that we are going to be diving into is will my friends ever care about the environment what a good question is this and one that i have honestly asked myself so many times. Like I'm often hanging out with my friends and internally asking the question, I love these people, but will they ever care about the environment as much as I do? And I don't know the answer. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I know it's really frustrating because you can feel like you're making such a difference through all the actions you're taking. And then when you look around at your friends and you're like, uh, they aren't doing anything. It's like, are we really making a change here? It can be quite disheartening. Totally. Well, and I think it's worth mentioning as well that you and I weren't always these like environmental activists you know we also ourselves went on this journey way back when in the day I can tell you guys that I was the ultimate fast fashion shopper I was going into Zara at the beginning of every season being like yes this is my time to get some new outfits I'd probably leave with like eight pieces that I definitely wouldn't have even held on to throughout the whole year that's how fast I was purchasing so I'm not saying at all that I am the be all and end all. Oh my God. And I feel like we grew up with our mom being the recycle queen and being like, make sure you're putting this over here and make sure you're not using any single use plastics. And we all know what it's like to have a mom who has any opinion that as a teenager, you just have the total opposite opinion. So I feel like for a while there, I was like, caring about the planet, boring. That's my mom's thing. And I don't give a shit about it. And I even remember when we started Tubes five and a half years ago, I remember people being like, is the environment an important pillar in your business for you? I remember going to a social enterprise convention around that time. And I remember the second people would start talking about the environment, my eyes would just glaze over and I'd be like, no, we care about the animals. We care about other stuff. The environment isn't our thing. And it's pretty interesting where we are in the world now because it's almost like, well, if you like living, if you like animals, if you like shopping, if you like anything, the environment has to be your thing because without the environment, we don't have any of this other stuff. Yeah. And I think that that's a really great thing to remember that 
Most people who care about the environment now and who are asking themselves, will my friends ever care? You also yourself didn't always care and now you do care. So I think that that shows us that people really can make the transition, but it's what's going to get them there. And I know like if I am sitting around a table of people who aren't caring as much as me, I'm wanting to yell at them and I'm wanting to stomp my feet and I'm wanting to say, guys, why didn't you watch Seaspiracy like I told you to? It's dire, you who like that that's not going to get them there and they probably won't want to hang out with me anymore if I keep doing that to them. <laughs> <laughs> probably, but it's so hard not to when you feel like you see the light and you just want to share it with everybody. I'm totally guilty of that as well. I'm constantly like, um, hello, did you see this video? Did you see this Netflix thing? Did you read this book? And like just sending it over and over and over again. I guess it's interesting to think about how we ourselves came to caring about the environment. Like when I think about it, was it because people kept sending me stuff? No, I probably would have found that really annoying now that I think about it. Yeah. And I think for me, it was probably animals was like the starting point because I'll often say I relate way more to animals. Yeah, that's super interesting. And I think that for me, it was actually through meditation and going inwards a little bit. And then once I really started to connect with myself and become a little bit more self-aware, then I felt like I had a little bit more space to actually face the things that were going on in the world and be like, okay, what is my actual contribution to this? How do I want to show up in the world? How do I what is going to make me feel good about the work that I do. And I think that that's probably a pretty common thing is that it's really scary to look at all this stuff and really face it and really hold it. And it can be so much easier to just turn a blind eye and pretend like it's not happening. But I think now more and more, you can't really turn a blind eye. Like it's so in all of our faces. We know this is happening. This is going to affect us. It's not some future generation thing anymore where maybe it'll affect our kids, kids, kids. It's like, no, this is affecting us now. So I think that that's really starting to make people go, okay, this is affecting my life. I need to do something about it. And I think that there's a complete disconnect as well between the way people look at the climate crisis and people who aren't necessarily caring are like um I'm not that in touch with nature I'm a slitty slicker um I'm like not that interested in all of that nature stuff and I think really what woke me up about this was that it's not a nature problem. It's actually a human problem. Like if we don't address what's going on right now, human beings will cease to exist. It's interesting. I feel like a lot of my friends now care a lot more about the environment than they used to. And I think that it's not necessarily through people sharing their opinions. It's not because I'm sharing my opinion that somebody else ends up taking that on. I think it's actually something around the way trends. So just the way that fashion trends pick up. It's not necessarily somebody like in your ear every day being like, you better wear these knee high boots. You better wear these knee high boots. It's just like you start to look around and like you see some knee high boots on some people. And then like you see some new knee high boots on some like celebrities that you like. And you might see them in a store window that you like. And slowly you start to be like, hmm, I think I want some knee high boots. And it's like, 
Nobody told you that you needed knee-high boots, but suddenly all you can think about is knee-high boots. And I think that that's a very human thing. That's the way our brains work is that when other people like things, we want to be validated in that way. We want to feel part of the collective. And so I think in that way, will my friends ever care about the environment? Yes, because everyone else will. That leaves me feeling so hopeful. And I feel like it's a really good time to pause and throw to our guests that we are having on. We are phoning two friends today. We're actually having our boyfriends on, Elliot and Renan. So Renan is my boyfriend slash partner of nine and a half years. And he runs his own startup called Luna. And they basically help businesses start up. They help with legal and accounting and investment and all that fun stuff. And they do our legal and accounting and investment and all that fun stuff. Yeah. And then Elliot is my boyfriend and he works in fire safety. It sounds sexy, like he's a firefighter, but it's actually not sexy. And he sits behind a computer And we have also been together for nine and a half years. So let's give the boys a ring and chat to them about their thoughts. Hello. Hey. Hey, guys. Good to be here. So the reason that we wanted to have you guys on was because, A, we thought if we had our friends on that didn't care about the environment, it would be a little bit awkward and they wouldn't necessarily be super truthful and we were like who will be really truthful about this topic and then we thought of you guys because you're always super truthful but also because we've been with you for a very long time and you haven't always cared about the environment so we thought we would talk to you about what your non-caring to semi-caring or really caring journey has been like. So the thing is is that I think everyone does care about the environment. So when you say there's been a shift from not caring about the environment to caring about the environment, I don't know if that's that accurate. I think like the shift is maybe like actively doing something about it. So I think it's more about everyone recognizes they care about the environment, but it's about the actions that you do. And I think that's the change in that you need to try and empower people to show them that they actually can do something. Everyone who, they don't compost, they don't do this, they all care about the environment. They watch like a David Attenborough documentary and they're like, holy crap, like what are we going to do? And then they, there's just like this disconnect between caring and doing. I totally agree with you. They care to a point of not wanting to inconvenience themselves, right? So they do care, like they'll watch the David Attenborough documentary and then they'll wake up the next morning feeling empowered, like they want to create change. But ultimately, it's pretty inconvenient, the changes that we're talking about making, you know, going from eating meat to a plant-based diet, composting in your home or not buying single-use plastic, like all of these things, they're, they're pretty inconvenient and people don't like inconvenience. So it's like they care to the point of them feeling comfortable and then when they no longer feel comfortable, they are prioritizing their comfort over other things. That's why it was called an inconvenient truth. What about you, Ro? What do you feel like has been the biggest thing that's made you kind of shift your your actions that you're taking for the environment? I loved hearing smells <laughs> as a response. Yes, we call him smells, not because he smells. <laughs> this is smell. But that too. But also that. I think there's two things that really shifted things for me. I think I always cared about the environment. Like I've always cared about causes. But for me, to tell you the truth, most of my life, I didn't realize the actions I was taking and the impact on the environment. And yes, there's like documentaries, but like 
it just didn't feel like part of my life. I didn't necessarily feel like I was contributing to the detriment of the environment. That's not like how I grew up. And probably the big thing for me was, I think I was in my own head until about two years ago where I did a lot of self work. And up until that point, I was very much like me in the world, focusing on me in the world. And like, what am I gonna do? And what impact am I gonna have? And who am I gonna be? And how am I perceived? And victim here and victim there, and this isn't happening to me, and I better do this. And you know, it's like you versus the world type mentality a little bit that we've sort of grown up with. And so for me, the combo, which really transitioned things were, okay, like just like doing some exploration about our upbringing and nature and how we've been taught to be in all facets of life. And then when you start asking questions about stuff, things open up for you because you start to realize, oh, I'm this way because of upbringing, parents, schooling, friends, place I live, you know, has such an impact on who you perceive yourself to be. And when you start exploring who you are and who you want to be, it just, you get out of that sense of like, I can do anything to anyone at any point in time. It's like this rat race of life. Um, And so when you start caring about things, things open up. So that was one. But then that probably just made me care about it if it was convenient to me. Like you said, Jesse, if it's convenient to me, I'll do it. And then the big, big change was moving up to Byron where it encourages you to behave in a more ethical, environmental way. Like the, the place we live is set up to support you. You know, you would feel horrible here, like not composting, dropping rubbish on the road. Like you would just never do it. And it's not just because it's beautiful. Like the society here is geared around take what you need and, and contribute. So being up here where everything is convenient makes a huge, huge difference. So my point of view on it is it's, it's wrong to blame individual people who are probably blind to what they're doing. Like me, you know, like without doing self-work, you talk about government and institutions and councils and stuff actually pushing you in that direction because it is convenient. You start to behave in that way. So really moving up to a place where the culture is geared around the environment and your impact in the world, supported by government, council and the community, changes everything. Mm, It's like taking it away from the individual and relying a little bit more on the powers at B, shall we call them, to actually influence you to make good decisions, which I love. But Smells, I also remember having this conversation with you a lot where you also felt like your actions weren't like having an impact. And I feel like now I see you feel so much more empowered in the things that you do, like that they actually matter. Do you feel that way? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't want to say this because maybe it just sounds like doom and gloom or anything like that. But like when we talk about the things we can do, there actually aren't that many things that you can do. Like what? I probably like rattle off like five. There's like becoming vegetarian. There's like composting. There's uh, changing your bank. There's changing your superannuation. And like if you can afford it, buy an electric car or like, you know, use your car less or something like that. They are as a normal person, they seem like that's the extent of what you can do. And maybe they are all too small on a single level to make people care enough. I think that's a great list of things and you're right. Like I'm like, yep, tick, 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 tick. Okay, awesome, cool. But then the other thing, which is obviously really relevant to this podcast is fashion and what people are buying in fashion and 
the demand that people can put on brands to change their practices because the fashion industry as an industry is so detrimental to the environment. And whereas like when you look at like the mining and the oil industry and stuff like that, it's like, well, we're not really connected to that. You know, we can go to a protest, stop Adani. We don't like have the same access. Whereas when it comes to fashion, we actually individually are the ones that are funding this whole massive industry that's having such negative implications. So through changing our fashion purchases and buying behaviors, we can actually have a really massive impact in that way. We at Tubes used to sell a lot of glitter just because we thought it was really cool. And then one day, one single customer emailed us to say, do you realize that the glitter has such a bad impact on the environment? And they didn't even tell us why. We just went and did our own research. And that was a day that we internally chatted and said, okay, we should not be selling glitter anymore. We won't sell it anymore. So like when you talk about one person not really having the ability to create much impact. Like that was a huge thing that that person did by taking five minutes to email a company. They probably thought we would never read their email, but actually they changed our whole practice. And I reckon that's a key thing that you can do about the environment is, is influence. So the influence of you doing all those things, we shouldn't underestimate the flow on effects from influence, right? Now, if there was one person in every single friendship group who took the steps you took, the trickle down effects would be ginormous. And so like the change that comes from one person, so it's not just being influential in like a community sense with your friendship group and families, but you know, as you get bigger opportunities and you get a bit older, chances are your career's progressing in a direction as well. And the influence you can have through that is also huge. So like Tubes, for example, I bet there's a bunch of other fashion brands that have started and chosen to be sustainable because of you and you might not know who they are but there would be and some of them will break through and be mega companies that change change the 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 face of fashion and that might not be through your direct impact of the shoes that you sell but the influence you're having elsewhere yeah, well, and I feel like maybe we're impacting them more than we think, not by like shoving it down their throats, but rather just by acting as an example and showing them that there is a different way to be and subtly inviting them to the protest along with you on a Saturday afternoon. And then eventually their habits will consciously or subconsciously start to change. I read an article a little while ago by Susie Menkes. It was talking about how the climate crisis has a PR problem and that it's all very doom and gloom and people don't feel inspired by doom and gloom. They feel shut down and then they just leave the conversation. It's too much for them and then they just carry on with their lives as if nothing's happening. And she talked about the importance of inspiring people to change through positivity and how if we're sharing little wins, like, hey, this is what we're doing at Tubes. It's so cool. Like we're banning X, Y, that that would inspire people way more than like, hey, did you see all of these really sad things that are going on in the world? It's totally stuffed up and our futures are in question. Yeah, I agree. I think that if things are so doomsday, then people are overwhelmed by it and they just shut down and that's when you end up numbing and watching Netflix. Like think about it in your real life when there are problems, it's really hard when you're just being faced with problems and criticism. That's not where people thrive. That's where people just totally shut down. And I think it's interesting what you said as well, where like with the vegan stuff, I always find that so interesting the way 
when Peter is putting stuff out there being like, this is what's happening. Like, this is disgusting. Stop doing this. People get so riled up about that. I personally love it. I think that these are the hard truths that we're hitting you with, but it does make sense when you talk about it like that, because we need to feel motivated. We know this now, you know, like we need to have shiny rewards as treats and we need to have like positivity and uplifting. And like, that's how we run our team. Like that's, you know, all of us like run our businesses now in that way, you know, where we're like inspiring people rather than just like criticizing them. So I guess it makes sense that that is the way to motivate people into action when it comes to the environment, even though those of us who know so much just want to yell at people and be like, how can you not care? So Ronan, how would you motivate three of your friends to do something more? First of all, I don't think forced motivation works. So like, how would I motivate my friends is through my actions. As an example, it's something that springs to mind, which I reckon you're capable of as well, is like showing how you can train on a vegan diet, as an example. It smells you run marathons. And how would you influence your friends might not be through telling them what's wrong with everything but showing them the, like, the positive forces that you are bringing to the world and being a shining light yourselves. Because when, when people view people that have light shone on them or appear to be vibrant with light, I think that draws people in. There are health benefits to all of this as well, like being in nature and caring about nature and, and being outdoors and eating sustainable and organic and all that stuff. Like, it's actually also good for you. I reckon it's just being you. I believe it will happen naturally. That's just my belief. Now I've got a pretty optimistic view on society. There's an entry point for everything, right? Like that's what I'm taking from what Ronen's saying is that everyone might actually have a different entry point into caring about the environment. Maybe it's okay that what mobilizes me doesn't mobilize my friends, but if I take the time to actually like listen and understand what might mobilize them. I also might be able to like offer some gentle suggestions that would get them excited. Like if it's the health benefits, being a little bit more creative about it, not just being like, this is the only way. Cause I think I definitely get stuck in. This is the only way. Okay. Let's chat a little bit about fashion. We know that's what you really came here to talk about today. Renan, you are Mr. Fashion King, loves a bit of fashion, smells. Jesse probably buys most of your wardrobe. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> we wanted to ask you guys. So you both burn through just like a pl- like plain cotton tees. How many do you think you buy per year? Not a lot. Less in COVID. Probably like five. Five a year. Less or more. Dude, you are dreaming. You have bought, like, you've bought five, I feel like, in the last three months. You're constantly buying T-shirts. And I'm always saying to you, why are you buying more T-shirts? You're like, because I need them. I'd say 10 to 15. Yeah, that's a lot of T-shirts. And, like, are you thinking about you know, the impact of them? Are you thinking about where you're buying them? Are you thinking about how you're disposing of them? Like if you're becoming vegan and doing all this awesome stuff, but I feel like, I'm gonna throw you under the bus a little bit and say like, I don't feel like that has trickled down into your purchasing decisions. Nah, and, and like, if I'm honest and own it, like I just don't feel like there's options like in front of my eyes. I know I can search, but there's not convenience. There's not cool brands doing things like 
you know, like I actually looked at this the other day. I was like, oh, I wanted to buy a new pair of sneakers. I was just like, look on Nike and search around for like, they actually have, if you go on Nike's app and search the shop, they have a box you can tick for sustainable footwear as a filter to filter out out of all their shoes. And you've got a box and you click that box and there's one shoe there. What a tease. Like, why do they even have the box? Exactly, right? There's not things in front of you. There's not like a great aggregator or close store. Like if, if I went on the stores I love and I shop from and there was like that filter and you could click it and it came up with great options, I would go there every single time. It's just not like, and I went there with Nike as an example when I was shopping. So I don't know, something for me, it doesn't seem like it's I just think there's great opportunity there. That's obviously when you go shopping, you would look at something sustainable, but even just the sheer amount you would buy or I would buy, like that hasn't even come into our thought process. No, it comes into my thought process as well. And I reckon I have stopped buying things because of it. But like, there's the other, that's the other problem, right? There's got to be something we can do with all the things we already have. Or like, I've started to implement the like buy one, give one type of thing. So it's, I'm not cons- like, I'm not just buying, buying, buying and a- adding. Oh, row, oh, row, row, row. You are on the very first baby step of that journey, considering that like 98% of what we send to these op shops, I hate to tell you, it ends up in landfill. There's barely any giving anymore. There's just too much yeah. stuff. Well, that's, that's, that sucks as well. Maybe I'll just not do anything. (laughs) I feel like having a education around it because I feel like you do care about the environment. And a couple of months ago, I said to you, hey, Ro, you're buying a lot of fashion. When are you going to start thinking about that and the environmental impact? And I feel like that's had a shift for you. But it's interesting that for both of you guys that it didn't kind of like click for you that maybe it's not being talked enough. Maybe for men, fashion's impact on the environment. And also, obviously, we need to see changes in the brands that we love because I think it is really hard to make people change the brand, change from buying from the brands that they love. But if we can put pressure on those brands that people are already buying from to make changes, then maybe that's when we'll start to see stuff. So, Ro, are you going to email Nike after our conversation today and request to have more sustainable options in the sustainability tab? It feels, it feels out of touch with Nike though. Like, you know, like shout out to like labels and stuff that I buy that it feels like in Australia, Assembly, Venroy, these types of labels. They're, they're the lifestyles of the people that are this way and going this way. And it almost feels like it could be a shift. Those are probably the labels that I would write to and like of that size that I feel like we could have influence on. Is the problem coming from people like us or people in general? Like, is it coming from middle like income earners that um, are just simply buying too much or is Kmart to blame here? And then... uh, Yes, Kmart is always to blame. But the interesting thing is like, so is Louis Vuitton. I last year did this really great course um, with London College of Fashion that was like looking at the practices of luxury brands. And, you know, it's our instinct to blame Kmart and H&M and, you know, all these like fast fashion 
beasts that have made everything so accessible, which is definitely a problem. But then also if you look at like the luxury brands who we perceive to make such fancy stuff and oh, like they must be using like sustainable raw materials and have great practices, but they don't either. So it's like really what we're seeing is across the board and it requires change from the brand's perspective, but then also from the customer's perspective. Like you said, yes, we do need everyone to be buying less and everyone to be buying way more thoughtfully in order to show the brands as well. Like, you know, demand creates supply. We need to send them a very clear message. We don't need all this stuff. Stop producing this much. Yeah, that's interesting because I always like I often have this like dilemma and that being environmentally good or being sustainable, you often need to have money and you've got the you've got the ability to shop organic and to buy from sustainable brands that are at a premium. But like most of the world, you know, can't do that and they live day to day and you, you can't stop them from buying from a place that has cheaper like produce or clothing or whatever it is. And it's like, you know, if you were to tell me that Kmart's bad, well, then, I, you know, for me, like I get resistant to that because I think, well, they're providing, uh, you know, they're providing something at a, at a price point for people that might only be able to shop there. We've actually had a really great conversation around this called is sustainability only for rich people on the podcast encourage you guys to go and check it out and I definitely think that there is a percentage of people who are shopping at the Kmart's who need to shop at the Kmart's because they need to buy a five dollar t-shirt but at that same time the Kmart's of the world are also creating like it's like this word accessible right like they're making everything accessible but like everything doesn't need to be accessible like why do i need to be able to buy like a pink pot a new plant all these like new accessories from my room and it's really on trend right now and then next year they're going to come out with a bunch of new stuff I need to buy for my room. So I'm going to take everything from my room that I bought last year from Kmart. I'm going to throw it out. I am not in the bracket of people that need to buy really cheap things, but it's like convenient for me. And it gives me the feeling like I have newness and I have this fancy room. But now this year I need a new fancy room and the Kmart's of the world, they're creating that problem as well because we shouldn't need so much newness in our life, so much bells and whistles. We can go to the op shop and buy things for our bedrooms that we're going to love forever. We don't need to continuously be updating things in the way that these these brands are encouraging us to great chat you guys this has been super informative so nice to hear your opinions so nice to have you on our podcast boyfriends there's a lot to cover okay thanks guys bye bye <laughs> hey tubes hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Oh my God, that was so good. That was the first time they've ever really come on anything with us. I know. I feel like usually we're talking about them and it was nice to talk to them for a change. Yeah. And they had so much great insight. Like I didn't think they were going to add that much value, but they really did. 
Oh my God, I know. I was like, wait, our boyfriends really like know stuff about stuff. I was impressed. I really appreciated the way that Elliot came on and we'd been having this narrative because obviously we kind of tend to agree on everything being sisters that people just don't care about the environment and the way he just totally turned that on its head and he was like, no, I do think everyone cares about the environment. And I was like, huh, I just learned something from you. Yeah, totally. I love that. So good. So many different perspectives. That's why it's important that we have different people on this podcast as well to tell us what they think because it's different than what we think and then we can all learn from each other. Okay, so let's move on to our segment of the week, which is winner, winner, plant-based dinner. Okay, hit me. Okay, mine is tofu chicken. Tofu chicken. So it was something I've started making lately where basically I just crumble up tofu and then I put some things in it. I'm not very savvy in the kitchen. So I put like dried garlic, dried onion and nutritional yeast with a bunch of oil in a pan and then I just like brown it off. So I'll do it at the start of the week. So I've got like a big batch in my fridge. And then every day for lunch, I just like today I chucked it in a wrap with some avo and mayo and some veggies. Yesterday I had it in a sandwich and it's just like super delicious. Tastes like chicken. I used to love chicken way back in the day. Obviously got my protein intake and it's yum and great. That sounds delicious. So my plant-based win for the week is this magical discovery that I have made, which is called Egg Replacer. Okay, this is genius. I was on the phone to Bianca having a meeting and I happened to be in the supermarket and I was going to make a challah recipe, which is like a Jewish bread that we have on Friday nights. And I was like, I've got to find a vegan recipe. And she was like, um, why don't you just use egg replacer? And I was like, what is this thing? Anyway, I actually remember friends that I had at school that were allergic to eggs, they would use egg replacer. So it's been around forever. It's not even made for plant-based or vegan people, but it is genius. And you literally just can use any non-plant-based recipe. And if it calls for eggs, specifically in things like a cake or a bread or something like that, you just chuck in the egg replacer and then it makes it all the same. It is genius. It's such a win. And someone even told me that you can get like organic ones that are made from chia and stuff like that. So it's awesome. All right. Well, we are going to leave you there, friends. Hope you learned a little something in today's episode Hope you are going to go out and think about some of the ways that you are going to be influencing your friends without being so pushy, without being such a warrior, thinking about creative ways that we can be encouraging the people around us to care more about the environment. And we'll definitely be chatting about that in our Facebook group, which is Tubes, a kind of community. So for sure, jump on in there and have a chat to us because we love to hear all of your opinions. Please, please do click subscribe and leave us a review. We love to hear from you guys. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we appreciate you. We love you and we will see you next time. See you next week. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you so much to our podcast producer, Amelia Navasquez, our podcast coordinator, Bianca Whitner, and a big thank you to King Cora and Lily3PO for creating our incredible theme song. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record, 
The Boonarong, Boonwarang and Wurundjeri Woolwurrung peoples of the Eastern Kulin Nation and the Arakwal people of the Bundjalung Nation. We pay respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.